Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, says, And he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6 says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. May the Lord bless and honor his word this morning. Amen. Amen. If you would, open with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking at passage, or verses 1 through 6. I've entitled this message, Familiarity of the Wrong Kind. Before we get into the, to the text, I want to share with you just a little bit of context of where we're at. In chapters 1 through 5, they're in Galilee. Jesus is teaching and he's performing miracles in Galilee. And the scene is about to change, but I want us to kind of get a picture of the response that Jesus is having in Galilee and the response that he's going to see in Nazareth. And so in chapter 1 of Mark, chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 1, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed a leper. He healed a paralyzed man. He healed a man with a deformed hand, calmed the storm in the sea, healed a demoniac, healed a woman who had bled for 12 years, and he raised to life Jairus' daughter who had died. So up until this point in his ministry, things are going pretty well. But again, the scene is about to change, and he's going to face some pushback. So I want us to look at two things this morning, two observations from the text. The first observation is this, the people's response to Jesus. And then the second observation I want us to look at is Jesus, his response to the people. And so if you would, look in verse 1 with me. He says, he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, saying, and many, I'm sorry, teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So here Jesus is on his way with his disciples in tow, and we're going to look in that in a minute, why that's important. So Jesus is going to, to Nazareth. His disciples are in tow. He goes into the synagogue. It's a custom when a, a rabbi, a visiting rabbi, comes into the city, he can teach and preach in the synagogue. And so he goes and teaches and preaches in the synagogue. And when he's finished, Scripture says they are astonished. They are astonished. They can't believe what's coming out of his mouth, the words that he's saying. And so the word here in the Greek, astonished, can be translated scandalon or scandal. Jesus has become a stumbling block to those in Nazareth. But why was that? Did they not believe what he was saying? No, the truth is they, they didn't have a problem believing what he was saying. The issue was that they couldn't reconcile who Jesus was as this carpenter boy and the words that were coming out of his mouth. It says this wisdom that were coming out of his mouth. You would think they would know all the signs were there. 
says they had heard about the miracles that he had been performing. They had even seen the disciples following him. Now, this is what I was mentioning a while ago. When, when disciples are following somebody, you knew you were kind of a big deal. You can be a self-proclaimed somebody, but until you start having a following, you know you're a big deal. And so here you are, Jesus is walking into the city, and he's got a following, which points to the fact that he is somebody. He's a teacher, and he's a rabbi. So they're having trouble reconciling who he is. They knew his family. They watched him grow up. In their minds, there was no way that he could be the Messiah. How could this be? He's just that little carpenter boy. We know his mom. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. This doesn't make sense. Now, for a moment, I want to ask you, how many of you have gone back to your high school reunions? Yeah, I've never been, but I can imagine that could be maybe a little bit of a strange time. It may be a comparison story. Maybe you forget who you even went to school with. But when you get there, people start asking questions about your family. Hey, how's work? How many kids do you have? Where do you live, right? Maybe you start asking them, and maybe you don't say it at the time. Maybe you wait until you get in the car with your spouse and you say, Who? I don't know how that dude got there. I knew him. There is no way. I don't know how he got there. Or you might say, Man, they were so quiet. How are they a public speaker now? Or how are they the president? Or how are they whoever? I think that's the same sense that we're seeing in this passage. They think they know who Jesus is. He's just a carpenter. How could this be possible? Verse 2 says, they were astonished, blown away. They were rendered speechless. They couldn't figure this out. Beginning in verse 2, we see a series of questions. Where did this man get these things? Where is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? After all, isn't this just the little carpenter boy? On one hand, they were all but certain they knew who Jesus was, but on the other, they could not, could not come to terms with, with, with the two. Taking it a step further, in verse 3, they began to try to disprove Jesus by association to his family. Again, the first thing we see is, isn't this just the carpenter? Daniel Aiken, a commentator, says, To them, Jesus is nothing more than a commoner who works with his hands. He builds things. He repairs things. He's a handyman. He's a construction worker. His occupation was definitely not impressive, certainly not the stuff of an esteemed rabbi. He was blue-collar through and through, and therefore they saw no way that he could be the Son of God. The next statement was, isn't this the son of Mary and the brothers, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And their point was that if anybody should know who this guy is, we should know him. We grew up with this guy. There's no way he is the Messiah. He's one of us. But the reality is that, is that their familiarity with Jesus became a stumbling block to them. And I wonder, is that the same thing? Is that true in our lives today? Have we grown so familiar with Jesus that, that we don't even see Jesus in our life? Do we see him working in our life? Do you still marvel at Jesus as much today as you did the day that you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Think about that. Do you still marvel at Jesus as much today as you did the day that you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? 
Is he still the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, your prince of peace, wonderful counselor, and your good shepherd? Is he still the way, the truth, and the life, and the savior of the world? Don't allow Jesus to become too familiar in your lives to the point that you forget who Jesus is. And so in this first section of the passage, we've seen the people and how they responded to Jesus. But I want us to look now in verses 4 through 6 and see how Jesus responds to the people. So if you would, look with me in verse 4. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Now the first thing I want to point out in this passage, it mentions that Jesus could do no mighty work. I want to be clear. Jesus did not lose the power to do miracles. He was still God. He was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was all-powerful. The reason that he did not perform miracles is because there was unbelief. There was unbelief. He did not lose the ability to perform miracles in their midst. Miracles were never intended to entertain the hard-hearted, but rather to move those who were open to the gospel towards saving faith. You see, Jesus didn't come back to Nazareth to be a magician. He didn't say, hey boys, let's go. We've had a lot of success here in Galilee. Why don't we go back to Nazareth to my hometown? I'd like to show them what I can do these days. Let me go do a couple of miracles. I want them to see what I'm up to, what I can do. He didn't go there to be their magician. He went there to be their great physician. And that's the same thing true in our lives. Sometimes we want him to be a magician in our lives. And he came to be our great physician, to fix our brokenness. Verse 6 says that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. The word marvel here carries with it the sense of being filled with wonder and astonishment. He was amazed. He marveled at their unbelief. Only two times in the New Testament do we see that Jesus marveled at somebody. Most of the time, most of the other occurrences where we see this word, the people are marveling at Jesus. But right here, Jesus is marveling at the people, and only two times do we see that. The first time that we see that is in a passage in Luke, and Jesus marvels at the faith of the centurion. He says, when Jesus heard these things, these things being the faith of the centurion, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he says, I tell you, not even in Israel have I seen such faith. But now we come to this passage, and Jesus is marveling at their unbelief. And so you have two different sides of the coin here. You have Jesus marveling at the amount of faith of the centurion. And here you have him marveling at the unbelief of those in Nazareth that should have known him. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is it that Christ is marveling at in your life? What is he marveling at in your life? Is he marveling at your belief, at the amount of your faith that you have in him? Is it like the centurion, I have not even seen this faith in Israel? Or is he marveling at your unbelief? Has the name of Jesus become too familiar in your life? Is it just another household name that we might throw around during prayer time? At the dinner table? Have you grown too familiar with Jesus? After being rejected, Scripture says Jesus left. 
and he went about the other villages teaching. Now, what I love about this passage, I want to be clear. He goes and it says, he performed only a few miracles. Now, that still sounds like a big deal to me, right? He still went about, he performed miracles. He's almost like, hey, I want to show you, I hadn't lost a touch here, but because of your unbelief, I'm not going to work here. I'm not going to work here. And so in this passage, we see that those that thought they knew Jesus the best and the most, they rejected him the most. Kent Hughes says, There is a deep danger in familiarity dulling us to the deep spiritual demands of our faith. Let me say that again. There is a danger in familiarity dulling us to the deep spiritual demands of our faith. The sacred words that so easily get tossed around in our conversations can render holy mysteries boring. This desensitizes us to the personal demands of God. He goes on to say that Christ in our life is an ongoing miracle. Incarnation and grace, resurrection, are the most beautiful and mysterious words. We must never ever let our growing familiarity rob us of the dazzling wonder of Jesus and the demands of our faith. So you see, those in Nazareth had become so familiar with Jesus that in their minds there was no way that he could be their Messiah. After all, he was just a little carpenter boy. We too should never become so familiar with Jesus that his name is just one that's tossed around. Is he still our King of kings and our Lord of lords? So as we reach the end, the question that remains here is, so what? Why does this matter? How do we apply this passage in our lives? What do we do with this passage? Familiarity here of the wrong kind led to their unbelief of the people in Nazareth. And it became a stumbling block to them. It hindered them from seeing the Lord's work in their lives. And so let me ask you again, do you see him, do you see Jesus as you did the day that you accepted him, as the Lord, the master, and the savior of your life? Or have you been guilty of growing too familiar? Is the name of Jesus just another name in your life? Have you grown too familiar with the name of Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ. Maybe you've never accepted him as your Lord and savior. <clears throat> in this passage, Jesus could not have been closer to them. He was with them. They could reach out and touch him. He could talk to them. They could see him. And what do we see? They rejected him. And it says that he left and he went about other villages. So I pray today that we would not let Jesus pass us by. I pray today that we, today would be the day of salvation for you. If you've not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day of salvation for you. And so what is it that Jesus is marveling at in your life? That's the question I want to leave you with. What is it that Jesus is marveling at in your life? Is it your faith? Is it your belief? Is it your unbelief? Caleb and I are going to be down in front and pray. If you'd like to come and pray with us or just come to the altar and may, maybe just to repent and say, Lord, you know what? Maybe I have grown too familiar with the name of Jesus. And today is the day that I want to put that where it belongs. You are Lord and Savior. Would you stand and respond this morning?